Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is going to be like a C-list celebrity joint. We're out. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the... It's episode 20 of the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. Wow, we're in the uh, 20s. That's wild. Well, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Matt Franchise. Right across from me, my buddy, Matt Harmon. I can't believe uh, people have put up with us this long. 20 episodes. 20 episodes in. That's very kind of you all. <sighs> wow. Remember remember the third episode? Nope. What no, did we do the third episode? Me neither. I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing? Feels like just yesterday. As soon as we wrap these, they just immediately pop out of my mind. Actually, well, I edit them. So as soon as I finish editing and posting them... Right. They drop out of my mind immediately, so I don't even I don't even remember the conversation that we just had with Evan Silva. Oh, by the way, we have Evan Silva on the show today. Whoa! Uh, breaking great, news. Yeah, great interview coming up with him here shortly. But uh, before we get to that, how you doing? I'm really good. I am not feeling so hot today. I went to a Dead and Company show last night at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, did you have too many uh, too many brewskis? I didn't drink that much. I don't know why. I think I'm just tired. But you're it, getting old. I'm old. That's what it is. You've even got like one hair coming down oh, into crap. your face. Crap. Don't oh, tell man. them that. Yeah, you know, I have to tell. Sorry, I just outed you on the pod for having a bad well, hair day. You know what I can do to fix my hair? I can oh. grab some of this Duchamp's hair wax. That's true. Duchamp's grooming. It's right here on the table. Sponsoring the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, I mean, look, not only do they have this fantastic hair wax there, but if your beard was starting to get frazzled, you could draw, drop in a little bit of that oil there. Uh, yes. you know, they got a beard balm that you can toss in that beard of yours. But hey, don't worry. If you don't have a beard, they've got plenty of other products for you, including a lip balm, including their hair serum, which is fantastic. So do champs. They've got franchise covered on his bad hair day here. But hey, if you're a listener at home and you're thinking that you've got some bad hair days in your future or maybe in your past, <laughs> pretty easy for you to go and fix that because you just go to dochampsgrooming.co and when you order, you use the promo code HIPSTERSPOD at checkout and you get 15% off your order. Nice. Pretty fantastic. So they are, of course, still our longtime and favorite sponsor of the podcast. So And do do them a favor and follow them on Twitter and Instagram too, do Champs Grooming. Yeah, our boys, they, they throw out some good pictures on their Instagram and yeah. you know, they're worth... Uh, little like every now and again you know what i'm talking about yeah support support the people who support the hipsters is what i like to say yes it's you know? very kind it's a very reciprocal relationship here that we all have you guys you listeners support us they support us so we support them yeah good stuff but um, yeah anyway i was at the show last night john mayer plays the grateful dead now this dead and company and man it was awesome they they blew my mind 
Mm. It was really good. I, you know, I talked about them on last week's episode to try to get a little prepared, but if you have the chance of touring right now, if you have a chance to go see them, I highly suggest going. It was a great experience, really fun set. Uh, what, what have you been up to? Very cool. Well, today's a big day for me. Uh, you know, why? as we're recording here why. on June 1st, the yeah. uh, Ultimate Draft Kit is out Boom. Uh, with the Fantasy Footballers, which includes all my reception perception work this year. It's profiles on the top 50 wide receivers that they've ranked this year, with more to come, by the way. Uh, data on 19 rookies, like literally more advanced metrics on wide receivers and route running that you could have ever possibly imagined. It's all there. Damn. Um, yeah. So, Sounds like a no-brainer. I would, I would like to think so. So, you know, you can go to receptionperception.com right now, and there's a link to buy that, um, as well as some of the work that I've already done for their, for their site this year. But it's a really cool kind of culmination of, of a lot of work this offseason, for sure. Um, but also the last, you know, little almost four years now, uh, after creating this, you know, idea in some crappy one-bedroom apartment in Lynchburg, Virginia, being like, uh... Nobody's really doing work on receivers that I'd like to see. I should try to do this. And also, let me try to squeeze my way into an industry in which I have no place to get into. Um, and Look at you now. It's pretty, cool to, <laughs> it's pretty cool to see it all come to, uh, come to a head. So um, it's a big, big, day for the, big day for the series, big day for me, big day for the hashtag brand. So I uh, just want to thank everybody that's already bought it or will buy it or generally you know, supports uh, reception perception. It's you know, it's my it's my brainchild. Yeah, tearing up here, buddy. Oh, I'm proud. I'm proud. Making me proud. Oh my god. Well, you know what? That's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so big day for that. So definitely check that out. But we're gonna lead you into right now. We're not gonna waste any time because, yeah. quite frankly, this interview with that we did with Evan Silva is awesome. Look, if you don't know who Evan Silva is, I don't. I don't really know. Like what your deal is like yeah. what like what your agenda is like i guess it's just not being good at yeah. fantasy or like not <laughs> what's your agenda yeah probably not knowing much about football is your agenda but uh we are going to get into this interview but we do have a sponsor uh for the interview our friends at reality sports online are back on board uh for the sign up for really that like this is where things get kicked off with them you know because they have all this salary cap functionality that we're going to talk about and rookie drafts and like that's really the time. This is the time to go sign up to get your league on Reality Sports Online. Um, it's a total no-brainer. Uh, they really make things out like you're an actual NFL GM. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy teams just like actual NFL GMs. And this was made by actual former NFL front office personnel, so you know it's legit. Uh, you can sign the NFL's top talent in their free agency uh, mock draft rooms. You can go test one of those out right now for free. Uh, you can host up to 32 teams. So this is like real life stuff. If you've ever th thought about like, you know, fantasy football is fun, but it's just not real enough for me. This is the best way to do it. So what you do is you go to realitysportsonline.com and you can sign up with a 14-day free trial. Um, and if you like what you see, use the promo code HIPSTERS to receive a 10% off discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. It's a good website. It is. Uh, our draft might be kicking out uh, here soon. Who knows? Um, but anyways, we're going to throw it right now to our interview with Roto World Senior Football Editor Evan Silva. And now on the line with the Fantasy Hipsters podcast, we are very pleased to be joined by the one and only Evan Silva, the top dog at Roto World, really just, you know, 
the boss of basically the whole fantasy business. Like, if you're, if you're playing fantasy football and you don't know who Evan Silva is, then I don't really even... I think you should probably stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, then change that. Yeah, change get, change just, it. Just, just get out of here. Yeah. But anyways, Evan, how are you doing today? Uh, what's up, man? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So basically what we're going to do with Evan today uh, is we recently, Franchise and I, just started doing an MFL 10 with our listeners that we just tweeted out and you know they randomly joined in. So we don't even know who the hell half these people are uh, or what they're thinking uh, with these draft picks. But we're going to kind of go through some stuff that stood out to me, stood out to Franchise, and we're going to just launch him at Evan and see you know what he thinks. Like Just kind of get some early feel for ADP early feel for some player breakdown. So I'm, I'm going to start it off and uh, I'm going to ask about one of the guys that I drafted. So I went David Johnson at the first overall pick, talk about rigged in our own draft. I, I get the first pick makes sense. Um, and so then after going two wide receivers, Allen Robinson and Keenan Allen at the two, three turn comes back around at the bottom of the fourth round. And I go Ty Montgomery Evan, I know you just recently wrote uh, about Ty Montgomery on your fantasy breakout players list. Uh, how are you feeling about Montgomery right now as things stand? I really like his upside in this in the Packers offense. You know, he was very much an unfinished product last year, but I think that that's really understandable. I mean, considering that, that he converted from wide receiver to running back in week six and then was expected to be the Packers feature back the rest of the way. He was the PPR RB 16 from week six from week six forward. Um, so he was pretty productive, uh, but he had like some outlier games. I mean, he was not consistent. And, you know, I remember watching games last year uh, with Ty Mon- with Ty Montgomery out there and Aaron Rodgers would at times get fed up with him because he just, he didn't know the playbook well enough. And I mean, you could see Aaron Rodgers like get him out of here like, and bring in Ripkowski. You know, you could, you could see that mouth by, by Rogers and, um, that's what he's got to work on, uh, to fulfill his promise. I'm with you. And I think that where you took him, uh, what at, was it? 4.11. Yeah. It was the, the last pick of the fourth round. Yeah. Okay. So 4.12. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a fairly good spot to take him. I think he usually goes 4.08 to like 5.06. Uh, so you got him smack dab in the middle there. It wasn't a reach at all. Um, he, I mean, he has big time pass catching upside in, in this role. And I know that I realized that they drafted three running backs, but they also didn't have anybody besides Ty Montgomery and Aaron Ripkowski, uh, who of course is a fullback. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a matter of like give, giving competition to Ty Montgomery. It was like filling out their depth chart. Yeah. I mean, I've watched, I, I really liked Aaron Jones coming out of TCU and um, I understand why people like Jamal Williams. He, Jamal Williams is just a step slow. He's just not a very good athlete, but he was a very good pass protector. Like, it's going to be a competition, but Mike McCarthy has been adamant that Ty Montgomery uh, still emerged from the draft as the Packers' clear-cut starter, and I, I, I truly believe that they are committed to, to him, and I think it was a good spot, a good spot to take him. Yeah, shout out to our listeners here too, because I when we talked about most recently our, our NFL.com mock draft, you know Jamal Williams went in like the eighth round or ninth round or something like outrageous, but yeah. he didn't go here until actually just the most recent pick that's happened, which is round fifteen. So I feel pretty good about like paying that kind of price for Jamal Williams, but yeah, definitely to me, Ty Montgomery uh, right now should be treated as the feature back, and it's hard to tell yourself the story where he's not like a top twenty PPR back, which of course. 
uh, MFL 10, that's the scoring here. If he keeps the job all year and he stays healthy, I mean, I think it would be hard for him to not finish among the top 12. Yeah. Wow. Makes sense to me. Nice. All right, Evan, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Uh, I had the sixth overall pick uh, in the first round, and I wanted a wide receiver, and Odell Beckham was still on the board. And instead, I went with Saints receiver Michael Thomas. He's in his second year there in New Orleans, had a great rookie season. Uh, and, you know, I tweeted this out, got, got some flack for it on Twitter and whatnot. And uh, Flack is putting it lightly. Right. And, you know, there are some targets to be had there in New Orleans with Brandon Cooks going to New England. And Odell Beckham now has to deal with Brandon Marshall coming in there in New York. Um, plus, just maybe a personal reason, uh, I'm kind of sick of Odell Beckham. He's a, di- <laughs> he's a diva. I don't want to see him crying on the sideline all season. I'd rather root for a guy I want to root for. But... Uh, what do you think about me going Michael Thomas here? I know it's a little, it's a little bit of a hipster pick. <laughs> it was early relative to ADP, yeah. but that doesn't make it wrong. I mean, you know, I've, I've done a top 50, I've done almost 70 MFL 10 drafts, you know, and picks one through 18. I mean, I think there are 18 elite players and then you run into uh, a big, uh, cluster of players where it's like Brandon Cooks and mm-hmm. Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, they all have like major warts and mm-hmm. Michael Thomas, although this seemed early and it is, I mean, it's about six, seven, eight spots higher than his ADP. Yeah. I mean, he's the number one receiver for, for Drew Brees and he should still be ascending. And, you know, he emerged quickly as the saints, number one receiver as a rookie. It's very impressive. I mean, they, he was leading the team or leading all the Saints receivers in snaps played, in red zone targets, in targets. I mean, you know, and that was the case by like week six during his rookie season. So you're right. I mean, they're missing a hun- almost 150 passing game targets uh, from last season's roster. And Michael Thomas should take another step forward, you know, theoretically. I, I think the value pick in the Saints receiver core this year is Willie Sneed. And he's a guy that I've been really trying to stock up on. And I really like Ted Ginn in the double-digit rounds. But, look, it was a little bit early relative to ADP with Michael Thomas, but that definitely doesn't make it a bad pick. I mean, I don't think you could have got him in the middle of the second round, you know, when it came back to you. Right. Yeah, so I I, I want to hit on Sneed, too, for sure. Uh, Sneed's one of my guys. But just on, on Thomas in particular, do you see him having the sort of – ceiling as like some of these guys that go you know right around like ahead of Odell Beckham you know right around Julio Jones you see him having that individual ceiling because the con the contrary opinion to that would be that you know the Saints have always spread it around they've always had you know a bunch of targets get involved right but I would my assertion is like yeah that's the way it's always been but they've also never had a wide receiver like Michael Thomas before like I personally think this guy's a different animal is that kind of how you see it too Evan I don't think that he's going to vie for the NFL lead in targets, but he's going to be efficient playing with Drew Brees. So that's going to make up for a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, disparity in targets between him and, you know, one of the, one of the top five receivers in terms of sheer targets. I mean, I would much rather have Michael Thomas at, I don't know, 140 targets uh, being very efficient with those targets than, you know, a guy with a hundred and, 55 targets 
you know, maybe like Pierre Garçon this year. And, you know, he's going to be very inefficient in all likelihood with those targets. I mean, look, I, I love targets, you know, and that's that's really what I'm looking for when it comes down to it. But I'm also looking for the likelihood of the receiver being efficient with with his targets. And Michael Thomas's likelihood of being efficient with his targets is strong, as strong as any receiver in the league because of his quarterback and because of how good he is. So you mentioned Willie Sneed, and in this draft, he came off the board at wide receiver 29 um, in the sixth round, and I I love Willie Sneed. I've long been a Sneed fan. You know, the reception perception just came out in the ultimate draft kit today as we're recording on June 6th, receptionperception.com to go buy that if you haven't. Sneed's one of the players I obviously highlighted uh, and had a really favorable opinion on. To me, he's excelled in two different roles now, not just as a, you know, exterior receiver more of a flanker in his first year in New Orleans but last year moved in the slot and was even better in that role from like a route to route basis but so are you feeling Snead at this price at like wide receiver 29 and do you think he has uh, breakout potential yeah absolutely um, he has been the wide receiver 30 and the wide receiver 32 the past two seasons in PPR um, so I think that this guy is pretty much drafting him at his floor, the sixth round. I mean, I, you know, I try to take him at in, in the mid to late fifth whenever possible. Um, Cause I, I want him on my team. I think that really, you know, I think Michael Thomas finished uh, like a top, top six or seven PPR receiver last year. I don't have the rankings in front of me, but um, um, you know, I, I think that if you're if you're just looking for a guy who can take a, a really big leap in terms of his target volume, it would be Willie Sneed, who has hovered in the 100 target range. And I think that he's a guy who could jump into like the 125 to 130 range. And also uh, Scott Barrett of um, Pro Football Focus noted that in his strength of schedule expectation, uh, Willie Sneed has one of the softest strength of schedule expectations in the league this year. So like to hear that agree with you, Harmon, that he's a good player. Uh, he's in a great situation. And um, in terms of a guy who's going to make a leap in target volume, I think that Willie Sneed actually has more room for growth in that area than Michael Thomas does. Good takes. I agree. Any pro Sneed pop propaganda is a favorable move on this podcast. I won't, I won't uh, say a, a bad pun here. Please don't. No, we're anti. We are we are anti Sneed puns. That is the stance of this podcast. No, the real hipster take is to uh, talk up Kobe Fleener. Look, I so <laughs> that is the total hipster take, and you're in the right place to do it. But so, but all right, preach on preach on Kobe Fleener. I mean, I did take him in the 13th round, and you know, I, our friend Pat Thorman also recently tweeted out something kind of to that degree that like it feels gross to do it, but. I mean, in the 13th round in this offense with, like you mentioned, some available volume, like why the hell not, I guess, is the is the thought process, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't resist him in the 13th round either. It's like my tight end two or my tight end three. You know, it's just a cheap attachment to Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, last year he was tight end 12 in non-PPR. He was the tight end 16 cumulative in, um, in PPR. And when you're taking him 13th round, I mean, you're usually taking him like, you know, tight end 16, 17, 18. That's exactly and this where is, I took him here, yeah. Right. So, um, and now he's in his second year in the offense. Theoretically, 
he should be better. We know he's not a very good player, but we do know he's athletic and he plays in the same offense as Drew Brees. And even though he stunk last year, he was still, you know, a top 16 fantasy tight end. So I'm, I'm drafting him in the 13th round every time. Sick. Feels gross, but probably is just fine in the end. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, and he had, like, some big games last right. year. And what, are, what do we want in, in a best ball uh, format? We want guys who can have big games. You know, he's real. He's going to be real frustrating in all likelihood in redraft. You never wanted to start him. You never wanted to start him last year. And then when he would have those big games, it was like, oh, you know. But yeah. in best ball, we don't got to worry about that. He has the big game potential. Uh, so he really fits this format. Yep, that's a that's a great point. All right, Evan, kind of a theory question here for you uh, on MFLs. I didn't realize this until I looked at my roster, but I have now I've drafted three rookies. I have David Njoku uh, as my tight end two. Took him in the middle of the twelfth round. I got Alvin Kamara and. Uh, uh, Curtis Samuel I took in the 14th round as kind of a dart throw. Mm. Just kind of said, hey, what the hell. Now, do you think, like, when, when you're doing these MFL 10, 10s, do you try to steer clear of rookies when it's this early in the preseason activities just because you don't really know what the roles are going to be? Do you kind of throw darts at them in case one of them blows up and then you you know you have them on your roster? How do you approach that this with rookies? I mean, this is just some rough picks there, franchise. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I wish you could come back. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> no, no. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Um, it's real early for Njoku. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like him. You know, I, I really like him as a player. I mean, I thought he was incredible to watch at Miami. I mean, he he has a chance to be a really, really special player. And I think they're going to throw him into the fire. Yeah. Um, you know, they got – they got all these all these rookies that they t- took in the first round, Jabril Peppers and David. And- I mean, they cut Gary Barnage right after the draft. That that tells you something yeah. about David and Joku. Um, I, I think they're going to throw him right in the fire. So maybe he'll pay it back. You know, it, it, it would feel real uncomfortable for me to take him in the twelfth round, and I don't think I, I've drafted him once. Um, but he could <laughs> he could pay it back. You know, I I don't think it's it's impossible. Fourteenth round for Curtis Samuel is. Um, Again, a little bit aggressive. He usually goes like 16th, 17th, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. Uh, but, you know, the, I don't know. It's a couple rounds difference. W- why don't you tell me, Franchise, how you envision Curtis Samuel being used? I mean, they're going to use him all over. I feel like they're going to use him all over the field. I feel like they're going to plug him and McCaffrey in as these two weapons that defenses are going to have a hard time. It's going to be a mismatch thing. Yeah. So, you know, defenses are going to have a hard time covering both of those guys. Um, I think he might be... He might kind of turn into almost, I want to say, a security blanket type of guy for Cam Newton, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just with his skill set. And he can play wide receiver. He can be split out of the backfield. They got Greg Olson. They got uh, Kelvin Benjamin around. They got Devin Funches. But I think Samuel's going to work in there. I think they're going to build, you know, make design plays for this guy. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, it's kind of early, I guess, in the 14th round for him. But. I just kind of jumped on it because I think there's a lot of potential for him to have a couple of these huge blow-up games. Mm-hmm. Um, so. um, Josh Norris, Panthers fan, is real optimistic about him as well. Thinks immediately he'll be used in the Philly Brown, which is like the slot receiver, plus right. the Ted Ginn deep threat receiver role. Wow. Uh, which, I mean, he could crush his ADP if he is able to somehow take on 
both of those roles, you know, coming out as a redshirt sophomore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have some Curtis Samuel for sure. It's just, I usually take him in like 16th or 17th. Yeah. I got to get the draft season cobwebs out of my brain. I think. Yeah. Still, still got a little we bit all... rookie fever there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I got a question here about, you know, it's a little bit higher up, but kind of maybe a similar explosive sort of player. I know we were involved in uh, Twitter back and forth a while ago, Evan, with the, with a bunch of different people back in April. And it was like, oh, geez, like I'm not ready for this, this, this stuff yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was about Tyree Kill. Um, he went off the board here in the sixth round, um, which I think is – actually maybe even a little bit later than his ADP uh, wide receiver 31. How do you feel about Tyree kill? Not only in best ball leagues like this, but also from like a season long perspective. I really think I'm going to have a hard time pulling the trigger on him in redraft and expecting week to week reliability from him. Uh, If you look at, all right, so his role increased in week seven. It, it spiked, you know, his playing time, his usage spiked. He became a big part of their offense. Their their running game was like fa- had fallen apart. And, you know, they started using him as a tailback. And, of course, he was playing special teams. And they started using him a bunch more as a receiver. And, you know, he, he ripped off a bunch of big plays. Jeremy, Ma- Jeremy Macklin miss, misses a bunch of time. And then he comes back for the final four games. And Tyreek Hill's playing time is just all over the place for those final four weeks. In two of the weeks, he didn't even catch a pass in two of the four games. Um, and of course, Jeremy Macklin is, is healthy now. So in, in, in redraft, man, I'm, I, I think I'm going to stay away, but there's a certain spot in an MFL 10 draft where I'm absolutely willing to pull the trigger. I mean, this dude is faster than anybody on the field. He can score in a variety of different ways. Uh, I saw that Mike Clay and his chief chiefs projections and Mike Clay is one of the best, you know, if not the best, guy in terms of stat projections uh, in in our business in our industry and i think that everybody should be paying attention to um you know whenever he takes a stand on 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 anything from a projection standpoint i mean he has tyree kill projected to lead the chiefs and catches mm. this year. i mean he mike clay took a pretty big stand on on tyree kill i would say in his projections so that piqued my interest and um but I, I still, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna really struggle to to trust him week to week. But I think he's a, a solid pick uh, in like the sixth round of an MFL 10 best ball draft. Now, the thing is, like, so some receivers that go around him are Deshaun Jackson, and like I'd, I'd rather have Deshaun Jackson at this point. I'd probably rather have Martavis Bryant, even though I don't trust him at all. Um, you know, so we're still real early in the off season, uh, and then. Uh, Willie Sneed, you know, I'd rather have Willie Sneed, and I'd rather have Jamison Crowder. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? You know, would, would, would you rather have Tyreek Hill than any of those guys? So Sneed went, just for context, some of the guys you just said, Sneed went one pick ahead of him in this draft. Uh, Bryant went one pick after him to franchise wide receiver 32 there. Deshaun nice. Jackson didn't go until wide receiver 37 in the next round, the seventh round. Wow. And Crowder, I'm trying to look on the sheet right now, um, I think he went a little. He went he, somewhere. I can't. Fifth round. Yeah, he went in the fifth round, so he went ahead of him, which is which is aggressive. Uh, but I but I can get on board with that. So I think the thing with Tyree Kill, and I I like that you pointed out that Mike Clay projected him to lead the Chiefs in catches because that's 
that was notable to me too. When you look at his, you know, I, I think the point with with Hill is that you it, just like discussing him and like not being able to repeat his efficiency in his rookie year role, like that sort of analysis does nothing for me because it's just kind mm-hmm. of like you know obvious. Like we should all be on board with that. Uh, but to me, the well, question and let me let, let me let me cut you off for a second. So yeah. this same argument was made against Martavis Bryant. Right. Uh, you know, entering his second season. And we look, even the people that were on the optimistic side of, of Martavis Bryant knew that he wasn't going to repeat that crazy touchdown. Um, you know, they thought they knew that he was going to regress, but. They also thought he was a good player who could be big time in fantasy, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of the point with Hill is like I think like any analysis that doesn't leave yourself open to the imagination that he could become more of a player, which is like obviously when I chart all his routes for reception perception, that's what I'm looking at. And he showed out really well as a in his very, very limited role uh, when he was running traditional routes. So to me that that's makes awesome. that makes me excited about what he could potentially do if the Chiefs ask for him to do that. And that, of course, like all that if I just said, kind of makes me only want to take Tyreek Hill in like certain situations with certain roster constructions. For example, like this this guy who took him here took four no, took five running backs ahead of Hill and Hill was his first wide receiver. Like no chance would I want to do that really even in a best ball, but especially in a like traditional redraft. But if I've taken, you know, two or three wide receivers ahead of Hill and I'm, you know, more comfortable being kind of open to his upside but insulated from his weekly downside that I don't have to rely on it, then I'm open to taking Hill. So it's all about roster construction and also leaving open the imagination that he could like obviously he's not gonna repeat that that touch to touchdown fantasy point whatever ratio, like but he could be a little bit more if he's asked of it. So that's kind of my stance on Hill. That's great. I mean, I expect him to be a starter this year. Andy Reid has talked him up as a starter. Who's going to hold him back opposite Macklin? You know, Chris Conley, Albert Wilson, Jehu Chesson. You know, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's going to be a starter this year. Careful about speaking any ill words about Albert Wilson, but we'll leave we'll leave that one on off the table for now. Okay. <laughs> um, another question I, I had from you, and that like kind of goes to the like some of these other wide receivers that are a little bit unknown, like the eighth round in this draft stuck out to me as a pretty heavy wide receiver round guys that I like, you know, to really almost without question, I say, you know, without question tenuously, you know, pay back their ADP plus some guys like, you know, John Brown, Pierre Garçon, Jordan math or uh, Eric Decker, all of those guys went in this round. And I, I expect all those guys to outproduce that ADP plus a little extra, but also some kind of, you know, more unknowns. Like I would say Devontae Parker still counts as a little bit of an unknown to me. Josh Doxson and Brashad Perryman could potentially step into some opportunity. How do you feel about those three guys in particular, especially in relation to some of the players that went around them that have a little bit more secure outlooks? Yeah, John Brown. Now this is kind of early relative to his ADP. Uh, you're saying he, he he went in the eighth round. He usually slips to the ninth or the tenth. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy who we saw two years ago when he was healthy and when, when Michael Floyd was still on the team. Mm-hmm. And Michael Floyd is, is of course gone now. John Brown was, you know, I know he was one of your favorites, Harmon, and he went for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. And I mean, we know that he's a real good player when he's got everything going for him. He had he had some debilitating 
illnesses last year. He had a cyst removed from his spine after the season. I mean, he just he had no he had no juice, and, and he admitted that after the year. Um, he is a really interesting pick this year. I mean, he was going and shoot. I remember some drafts last year. He would go in the fifth round. Oh yeah. And now he's and now this guy's taking him. You know, in his contract year in the eighth round, and you can often get him in the ninth. I mean, I think that that's. That, that makes a lot of sense. He's he's a high, high upside guy. Um, you mentioned Josh Doxson. So I think that he's pretty securely, and I think the Red, even the Redskins would, would want for this to happen. He's securely going to be the number three receiver on the team. And also behind Jordan Reed for targets and also competing for targets with Chris Thompson. Um, I, I think that Terrell Pryor and, Jamison Crowder are going to be the clear numbers one and two. And so what I'm really hoping for from Josh Doxson is like reality fantasy improvement. And I mean, I'm sorry, reality improvement and not a big fantasy year. I just want to see him take a step forward as a, as a player and see him stay on the field. And so he's not really on my, on my fantasy draft radar right now. I mean, maybe that'll change if he's blowing it up in the preseason and he's soaking up first team reps uh, but, you know, right now, I mean, I, he would be really tough for me to pull the trigger on in the eighth round. Brashad Perryman, um, and you have studied more of his routes than I have, um, but I watched a lot of him last year, and um, I mean, I've looked at all of his metrics, and I couldn't find a single good metric on, on his performance Oof. as a rookie. I mean, he's bad according to you know, number fires metrics. He's bad in almost every pro football focus stat. I mean, his his performance was – I would have expected that having watched him um, and just, you know, and just watching games as opposed to charting routes like you do, mm-hmm. Harmon. But, but the, you know, the opportunity makes him very enticing because there are so many available targets. All he's really competing with is Mike Wallace on the perimeter. And, I mean, those guys are going to be on the field together, of course. Michael Campanero just got hurt again today. Um, yep. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't I don't know. You know, the, these these cases where there is a lot of opportunity and but we don't but we we tend to lean toward the, the side of like this guy isn't very good. You know, I mean, you can be good in fantasy without being good in real life. That that's that's a fact. But, you know, it, it has me leaning away from him. I mean, I think the, the Ravens need to go get someone. I. They need to go get another receiver. I, I don't, you know, whether it be Anquan Bolden or trading for Eric Decker or trading for Jordan Matthews, they need to go get another guy. They just, there's, they are not giving Joe Flacco enough right now. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Where do you, where, where do you guys fall on Perryman? Franchise. I mean, I think he's a good value where he's being drafted, but I don't know. It's just a, it's a huge question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not into it. I I have not finished uh, Perryman's reception perception. He was outside the fantasy football's top fifty, so he's not in the ultimate draft kit yet. Though that is someone that I do plan to get to in the next couple of weeks and kind of fo- like officially formulate a take on uh, in terms of how good I think he is thus far in his NFL career. But it's a hu- like you said, huge leap of faith. I think given some of the guys that went around him, like 
So after I took so Pierre Garcon went the pick right after Perryman at wide receiver forty five, and then I took Eric Decker the next pick, and then at the next pick I turned around on the turn there and took Mike Wallace, and I would rather have all three of those guys over Perryman. Same. Yeah. Uh, and then even going down the line a little bit, wide receiver forty eight Adam Thielen. I think I'd rather have Thielen. Um, yep. And even then it then it starts to get a little dicey with like you know rookie Mike Williams and Richard Matthews out of Tennessee. I'm not really in on either one of those guys. Um, so yeah, it's, I think he's a fine, like ninth, 10th round flyer, but at this point I'm not, I'm not super optimistic. He's like going to crush that ADP, no matter what the volume, uh, that's set to go his way is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, all of our volume projections in, in May will get scuttled if the Ravens go get a receiver, even if it's just Anquan Bolden. Yep. I mean, he, he will, he will suck up red zone targets and he'll, he'll just he'll suck up a lot of targets. Period. I mean, hey, if the Ravens go sign Anquan Bolden, like he should be on on our fantasy radar. He could jump in and lead the team in catches. I think uh, right away. Yeah, I mean, look, it's we need to look no further than he changed things in Detroit last year. The longer Absolutely. he was on the team, I mean, he took red zone looks like, as you mentioned, and also just he completely his presence had them change Golden Tate's role. And Tate's like an established you know guy that they paid money to. So. I think a guy like Perryman and even Mike Wallace would get Decker's the pipe dream for me though for for uh, for the Ravens, but who knows if that actually uh, ends up happening? But I'm with you there that Bolden would definitely be on the radar should he uh, get added. Um, speaking of just because we're talking about Perryman, I'm going to ask you about a couple of like Kevin White. Do you have any optim- optimism for Kevin White? I think I know the answer, but do you have any optimism for Kevin White in the Bears receiver core this year? No. <laughs> wow. All right, we can move on then. Uh, well, we talked about a lot of guys on your breakout list. Uh, if you haven't read that yet, go to at Evan Silva on Twitter and check out his pinned tweet there. Um, we talked about John Brown is on your list. Uh, Devonte Parker, a couple of other players you've already highlighted. Yeah. Cam Meredith was a player I took in the sixth round. Is the and wide receiver thirty five. How do you feel about that? Is that an aggressive move? And what 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 do you kind of have in your mind for Cam Meredith this year? About two rounds ahead of his ADP, um, but with that said, I really, really like him. Um, I just the questions are so he got over half of his production last year at slot receiver, where I mean he had like a monster game against uh, Redskins rookie slot corner Kendall Fuller, who teams just teams just creamed him last year, and Cameron Meredith was one of them. Uh, and then the question, and then the other question is, of course, the quarterback situation so i have two big question marks about him but i really really like him as a player i mean he's big he's physical he ran a six seven one three cone at six foot three two oh nine which is just absurd he's a freak show of an athlete that's for sure complete freak show 39 inch vertical 10 7 broad jump ran four four nine i mean he is a total total freak show as an athlete and, I mean, I think you can kind of paint it in an optimistic light that he played a lot outside and inside last year. But I think he's going to ha- be asked to win against boundary corners this year much more often. I mean, if you look at the, the players that the Bears went out and signed, Kendall Wright, Victor Cruz, Marcus Wheaton, I mean, all these guys have had a lot of their success, if not most of their success, as slot receivers. So I think that they are ticketing ticketing Stephon – or. Um, Cameron Meredith as like an outside receiver. And then if they tried to force feed Kevin white targets, which 
was a disaster last year and will probably be a disaster again if they try to do that. But, you know, because they have that draft capital invested in him, that's a risk, you know, that it, it could potentially happen. Um, you have some risk there with Cameron Meredith. But I, I really want to believe I think he's a good player. Um, and I, I think he's a guy worth rooting for, like converting from quarterback. You know, this will be what I think his fifth season technically uh, at receiver. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him and I've, I've got some of them. Uh, but he's he's I think he, he's got risk. Yeah, he's another guy that I'm I'm really high on based on looking at his routes, both both as an outside and inside receiver. I've tweeted out the graph. Great to hear. Yeah, I, I tweeted out the graph of of the like I split up all of his his half of his sample into an outside sample, half of his sample into a slot sample. So if you just search the hashtag reception perception and the word Meredith, it'll pop up on Twitter. But I'm in on him. Uh, of course, as I said, you know, aggressive wide receiver 35 draft. So. Plus his outlook hinges on the play of Mike Lennon. So hey man. there's that aspect of it too. Could be worse. I mean, yeah. Brian Hoyer's no slouch, but he did thrive with Hoyer last year. Um, and Matt Barkley at the end, for God's sakes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm okay with, uh, I'm okay with taking the potential volume upside even if the quarterbacks uh, have some questions. Yeah. Uh, kind of winding down here, but Franchise, do you have any more uh, any more questions for Evan based on the draft? I kind of wanted to ask about the Saints' backfield, if you don't mind, Evan. Uh, Mark Ingram went in the f- end of the fourth round. Alvin Kamara went mid-seventh round. and then Adrian, To you. To, both of them went to me, and then Adrian Peterson went in the beginning of the ninth round. How do you see that backfield shaping up this year with the three-headed monster there? I really have no idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but nobody, I'm going to be hammering. Does. I'm going to I'm going to be hammering Adrian Peterson if he if people keep letting him slip to the ninth round. Okay. Um, the players on the field at OTAs have said that he's looked great. Yeah. Um, he is playing in the best offense of his life. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's a guy that who has been in situations before where, you know, it looked like it was this, the the smart bet was on betting against him, and um, he o- overcame the odds. At some point, he's not going to be be capable of overcoming the odds because because of Father Time. Yeah, and it's quite possible that he just fades away this year. But in, in a in a best ball format like this, where I mean, they like they have a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. The, the Saints have a real good offensive line. They are going to score a, a ton of points. Um, and if he gets rolling, like he he can do special things. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he's like a low floor guy, but he's a, he's a potential league winner in the ninth round. I think he's an awesome pick, like for zero or beaters. Um, and I love him in best ball MFL tens. If people continue to let him go in the in the ninth round, I mean, people are taking Legarrette Blunt over Adrian Peterson. You know, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not down with that, man. Like, no way. I'm going to take Adrian Peterson over Legarrette Blunt. Blunt went in the fifth round in this draft, and right Peterson went in the ninth. Yeah. Man, like it's wild. I'm I'm I'll say this about Peterson. Like, I really, really, really don't want to be in on Adrian Peterson just because I kind of find him like come similar to what you said about Beckham. Like I just find uh, Peterson to be a generally like annoying player to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think, you know, I'm just generally not about old running backs that have not played well recently. Right. 
but yeah, I mean, the ninth round, I mean, then essentially you're doing the same thing of what it, like what we did with LeGarrette Blunt last year. Like, right. it's a really high-octane offense, and he's a two-down banger, and he's going to be the goal line back. Like, even if he's completely washed, like, that's – at the ninth round, I'm willing to do that. So – um, I definitely, but I expect by August for his, and especially like in traditional redraft leagues when the rest of the sheep get involved, like I expect uh, him to to rise at that point. But now, now's the time to get him, man. Yeah. I mean, I've talked, I've talked to some people that you know know things with the Saints, and uh, he's been looking real good. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stocking up on him wow. uh, until his ADP gets to like the fifth round. I mean, I'm gonna be good with him through, you know, through a rise. Yep. I'm gonna be good with him, like ninth, eighth, seventh, sixth, and then you know if it gets any higher than that, I'll, I'll probably be out on him. I don't, I don't want anything to do with Mark Ingram, uh, pretty much. And it's sad to say because before the draft, I did a bunch of MFL tens and I took a ton of Mark Ingram. Oof. Uh, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be hammering uh, Adrian Peterson for sure. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you on that take until he gets into that like fifth round range. Um, my last question uh, on the MFL ten for you, Evan, is just kind of, I mean. Um, you know, to me, like, I, I guess, like, quarterback and tight end strategy is one that I kind of go back and forth on, and I read a lot of different things to, that go different ways. What's your strategy in MFL 10s in terms of I should take X amount of quarterbacks or X amount of tight ends? Like, I went two quarterbacks here. No, excuse me. I went three three quarterbacks and three tight ends here, and we're not through round 15 yet. Is that stupid, or what's the correct way to do it? I mean, I think that we all feel more comfortable when we have more players at the position in case of injury, in case of benching. You know, it, it just it feels more comfortable to take three quarterbacks because, you know, we can't make any in-season roster adjustments. A guy could get hurt and then you're down to one quarterback and, you know, you're getting a zero for the other quarterback's buy and you know, the other quarterback has a bad game and, you know, you're, that's your score for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also trying to finish in first and not finish in fourth. And I think that you have to embrace some fragility in these. And one of the ways that I've embraced in fragility is by waiting as long as I possibly can at quarterback, taking a guy that I think is undervalued like Andy Dalton or Carson Palmer or Tyrod Taylor and just taking two of those guys and hoping that they smash their ADPs. I mean, I think all three of those guys are very capable of smashing their ADPs. I really think that winning in these leagues is about just finding ADP beaters. You know, finding guys, of course, getting having good fortune and getting good luck that guys are going to stay healthy, but finding a bunch of guys that are going to be smashing their ADPs. And, you know, Carson Palmer is, fin- is capable of finishing as a guy – you know, as like a top seven or eight quarterback. And you can usually get him like quarterback 15, 16, 17. He went quarterback 21 in this draft. There you go. There you go. So, um, but I, I, you know, like, so I'll I'll embrace some fragility at quarterback, which is a position that tends to stay healthy because the entire offense is built around trying to keep the quarterback healthy. Um, so those guys have lower injury rates at tight end. I like to, I like to go with three unless I'm taking Gronk early, you know, if I'm taking Gronk early, that, that leaves me with some opportunity costs. I did not use that pick on a stud running back or receiver. Um, so, you know, I, I might want to take five running back, five or six running backs or, you know, seven or eight receivers 
uh, to to account for that. So that has been my approach. I, I, and I, I've done three defenses in almost every draft. I think I only did um, two defenses in one draft, and that was because I just didn't like anybody on the board at like rounds at like the 16, 17 turn. So I just took the Seahawks and Broncos back to back and then, you know, just took a bunch of shots in the later rounds. But that has been my personal approach. I mean, I think that over the years, um, we, you know, there, there have been studies done on these MFL tens and there's really no clear cut set way to win. There's a basic roster construction, um, and we've talked about that on the Fantasy Feast podcast with Ross Tucker, and we've had you know guys like Mike Mike Beers uh, on the show to to discuss that. Um, there is a basic roster construction to follow, but you can also win not using that roster construction. So um, it, it's really just you know having getting good fortune with your guys to stay healthy and uh, um, finding players that are going to beat their ADPs. Makes sense. Well, Evan, this has been an awesome conversation. Totally crushed it. Uh, we covered a lot of different players for not only people that play MFL 10s, but also just, you know, took a took a wide scale view of some guys that people are really interested in right now. Um, but before we let you go, I do have to ask you to eat, to provide us with at least one hipster take of uh, anything. It could be football related music-related, or food-slash-beer-related. So do you have at least one hipster take out of those three to drop at us? So I live in Chicago, and I spend a lot of time, or I used to when I was a little bit younger, I used to spend a lot of time and lived in a place called Wicker Park in Chicago, Illinois. And this is like the hipster hub of <laughs> Chicago. Hell yeah. Right? So so I know what a real hipster is, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to openly question your guys' hipsterdom. Oh, He's coming at us. <laughs> what do we need to like provide you with some credentials? Um, yeah. Do you guys smoke cigarettes? Not regularly. No, they're they're not they're not healthy for you. Yeah, so. dude. I'm way concerned with my health. All yeah. right. So I don't know what you expect okay, to, to smoke fair to enough. smoke cigarettes. You got? Do you guys vape? Do you guys go to the art museum a lot? <laughs> I've um, been known to frequent some art museums. Perhaps to both. Perhaps to both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Were, were, your, were your parents like? Uh, do your parents think that like Ronald Reagan is the greatest president of all time? Oh my god! No, my parent, my <laughs> parents are hardcore proud Democrats. Thank you very yeah. much, and raised their son the right way too. Let me just say, uh, don't stop listening to this podcast because that was a slightly political take. But uh, I'll just say, I'll just say this on it. I don't know about. I won't speak for franchise who's like you know true Hollywood, you know. Wow. Heart of Hollywood, typical hipster shtick. But I'll speak for myself. Uh, my stance on this issue has long been: uh, I might not. I'm not a hipster. I just play one on TV. So that's my that's my stance on the matter. Yeah, it's a bit. To be honest, they were like, "Hey, both of you guys have beards. You are you're the fantasy hipsters, and that's where <laughs> oh, it came that was, from." It was not even your guys' idea. No, it was <laughs> actually it was not our idea. <laughs> It was literally Damashek's idea, and it took them like eight weeks to be like, "Yeah, we'll just we'll grab these two idiots by the shoulder out of the newsroom and stick them on television." So yeah. that's basically that's that's the story right there. So no, with not any sort of qualifications, and now we're just we're just riding off the coattails of like that mini success. Yeah, um, if you could even call it that. So that's 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 that's, oh. the, that's the story. So <laughs> that was a hell of a move there, Evan. To to like we wanted just a, a quick take from you, and you just like spit fire right back at us. He burned us. 
All right. Well, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Thanks. Yeah, Evan. my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on, Evan. Uh, make sure to follow Evan on Twitter at Evan Silva and check out all of his work at Roto World and listen to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Uh, Franchise and I are going to take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody, we want to remind you about the sponsor of today's show. It's the Duchamp's Grooming Company. Their vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man are incredible. They have a fantastic beard oil and beard balm to get your facial hair looking just right. They also have a hair wax to make you look stylish as, as all get out, or even a little bit of lip balm there that's scented very nice. Now, for the ladies out there, if you still want to grab some products from them, which we encourage you to do so, they have plenty of kits to get your loved ones a present. All these handmade products are awesome. I use them every day. I have them in my pocket right now. They even have a signature scent. Um, you can find all this stuff at the online shop at www.duchampsgroming.co. That's duchampsgrooming.co. They have an online shop and follow them on Instagram, Duchamps Grooming Co., and on Twitter at Duchamps Groom Co. Find them, follow them, retweet them, and buy their stuff. All right, let's get back to the show. All right. And we're back. Uh, thanks again to Evan Silva for stopping on to basically roast franchise and also talk about some players too. Whatever. He roasted both of us, to be honest. Uh, I'm sorry. Which one of my picks got roasted? He questioned our status as hipsters. Okay. Bro. Oh, the, yeah, that's true. But I don't care about that. Well, you should. Why? This is this is. Well, like, I mean, you shaved your beard off, so how much could you really care? I don't, dude. I mean, have I not made it apparent that that I don't really care about? being questioned i mean what do you want come on why are you just (laughs) because it's fun and i don't have anything else to say (laughs) okay well why don't you have something to say about our our third and final sponsor of today's show all right before we get into the music and beer segment of course flag and anthem sponsors a segment so let's tell you guys a little bit about what flag and anthem does their men's clothing line they make classics that are always cool uh, they have awesome, I'm wearing a short sleeve button up with some blue stripes on it right now. It's super comfortable, super light, 100% cotton, perfect for summertime. So go to flagandanthem.com. Uh, they are offering a 25% off promo code for our Fantasy Hipsters podcast listeners. If you enter promo code Fantasy Hipsters, all one word, upon checkout on your first order, you'll get 25% off. Uh, I mean, they have shorts, they have denim, they have chinos, they have hats, they have t-shirts, they got button-ups, they got long sleeves, all kinds of stuff. Update your closet for the summer months. Stay cool with Flag and Anthem. Uh, follow them on Instagram and Twitter, at Flag and Anthem uh, CO. They do random sales on Twitter all the time, so keep an eye out for those. And uh, go get yourself 25% off. Sick. Boom. You should do it. Let's talk about some tunes. All right, so you just just went to a concert this just yesterday, and now you're going to tell us about another band, I assume? Yeah, different band. Well, go ahead. So, well, it's it's actually uh, one artist. His name is Jonathan Wilson, and he's an incredible guitar player, incredible songwriter. He's also a producer. Uh, I've seen him live twice, and both times I was just, mine was alone like what this guy does to a guitar with his hands is just 
Yeah, I know. That sounded weird. That sounded way weird. But I've never seen anyone manipulate a guitar neck the way this guy does. It's crazy. Uh, he is credited for revitalizing the Laurel Canyon music scene, which Laurel Canyon is uh, a neighborhood out here in Los Angeles. Um, and he organized these jams with people from bands like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and the Black Crows and all these... Uh, you know, like, I want to say, like, 90s rockers, all these guys would just, like, go to his house and jam out, and it kind of, like, helped revitalize the scene a little bit and help people be a little more creative with what they're doing. Um, he's actually on tour right now with Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, uh, so that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of how well-respected he is at uh, as a guitar player. He's worked with Father John Misty. I'm pretty sure they're, like, mm. best friends. Sick. I don't know if he produced Father John Misty's last album or just played some instruments on it, but I know they're boys. Um, so he's got some hipster cred there. Uh, his two full-length solo albums, the first one was out in 2011 called Gentle Spirit, and the second one is called Fanfare. Fanfare. They're just loaded with, like, long... Each song is really long and drawn out, and there's crazy psychedelic guitar parts, and... Just go check out uh, Jonathan Wilson on Spotify. Some of my favorite tracks are Desert Raven and Valley of the Silver Moon. It's got like this old, almost like 70s rock vibe to it. So sick. And check I, them out. I know you got some heat for like, you know, the listener count of uh, of some of these songs from, from a recent emailer. Yeah. Just for some context, because I just pulled his stuff up right now. He has only 126,000 monthly listeners. His most listened song uh, as you mentioned, Desert Raven has uh, 4.5 million, but the next one is only like 836,000. So clearly a pretty hipster pick here. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. I'm going to turn this on because I'm interested. I'm going to turn this on uh, after we record. Uh, but uh, cool. so nice pick here. Uh, my beer pick of the week comes from, you know, a brewery that I think a lot of people are familiar with, but I just recently visited for the first time, Stone Brewery. I was there down in San Diego for the first time since moving out in California. Nice. I haven't been down uh, there yet. Last week, or last weekend, excuse me. So Good uh, vibes? Yeah. I had a really um, enjoyable <laughs> enjoyable time while I was there, um, including my visit to, to Stone, uh, among other things. And... So what I want to like obviously went down there, you know, I'm familiar with the, you know, the delicious IPA, the enjoy by IPA, their regular IPA, but one that did catch my eye um, was their Mocha IPA, which I think Ooh. is a little like less available than more co less commonly available than some of those other ones. Mm -hmm. um, again, normally super like not really my style, uh, like the, you know, coffee infused, you know, chocolatey kind of flavor or whatever. But it was awesome. It was really freaking good. You know, it's a double IPA, nine percent uh, ABV. You know, mm. I made, I did make the mistake of like, you know, because listen, I had a lot of beers while I was there. You know, at a brewery. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Um, give me a break. You know, and we we ordered uh, two rounds of food, and you know, we had Brussels sprouts and like some ceviche the first go around, and then the second go around ordered some tacos and some mac and cheese. And during that second round of food, that's when I ordered the mocha, and I was like, I probably should this should have been like my last beer. Yeah, um, it's kind of a dessert beer. Right. That yeah. should have been the smart move, but like I said, you know, it was just throwing darts like that I want to drink that I want to drink that I want to drink that I mean I was in my element you know this yeah. is what I'm this is what I'm here for but anyway so really good beer I'm hoping to find it more now on the on the shelves around at the you know the Bevmo around here or whatever uh, so definitely if you're if you're in the area you can get you grab yourself one it's a, like I said even if you're not like it's, this is not normally my style of beer in terms of the the heaviness of it but 
really enjoyed it. Uh, it was just one of the best tasting beers I've ever had. Awesome. Mocha. So that's our music and beer picks of the week. Uh, only one episode this week, as we mentioned, you know, with episode 20 uh, being dropped on a Friday. Uh, next week, we will be back with our typical schedule of the flagship show on, uh, what did we really said on Wednesday? Wednesday? And then on Friday, we'll do mailbag again, and we'll, uh, we'll do that going forward. Cool. So um, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I think I'm good. Just thanks to Evan Silva for coming on. Yeah, thanks again to Evan. And yeah. remember, you know, go to receptionperception.com and buy the Ultimate Draft Kit. I promise you will not regret it. It's so much information, and I put so much work into it. So go buy it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, hipsters out. Hipsters out. because I was so loud there. All right, sorry. Yeah, luckily we, we didn't have anything going, so nobody could tell that we just made the worst noises possible. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, mm. All right. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.